We are in the season called Advent, and Advent is not the Christmas season, it's a season leading up to Christmas, right? It's this first four Sundays before Christmas Day. And the word Advent simply means arrival, that we are anticipating, we are waiting the arrival of Christ as the child. We remember this moment, but we also look forward to the time where Christ will return in full glory to make the world as it should be, to reconcile all things to God. But in the meantime of waiting, we as a people of God are charged with bringing hope, love, joy, and peace that Christ brings and to give it to the world around us. And so we're in this series called Songs of, for Songs for the Season. Songs for the Season, where we're looking at some of these traditional songs that we've sung during the Advent and Christmas seasons. And we're going to take a deep look at how we can pull out some of these themes of hope, love, joy, and peace, and how we can apply them to our lives this holiday season. Today, the song that we're going to be looking at has become a staple over the years. It's called Let There Be Peace on Earth and Let It Begin With Me. First couple lines, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. It's a little history behind the song. It was written by a couple, Cy Miller and his wife, Jill Jackson Miller. They wrote the song in 1955, and so some of us may think that the song is much longer than it actually is. Um, but the song was written in 1955 by or led by Jill and her husband, Cy. And backing up a little bit before 1955, Jill um, had this, she retells the story of how in 1944, she attempted suicide and how there was a very dark period in her life. But after failing um, to go through with it, she recounts that she felt the love of God so deep after that moment that she knew that her life was made for more. So she says in an interview, quote, in that moment, I was not allowed to die. And something happened to me which is very difficult to explain. I had an eternal moment of truth in which I knew I was loved and I knew I was here for a purpose, end quote. Now, they got married and they come together to write the song at a retreat that they had in California. And at this retreat, they had a group of young people from diverse backgrounds, so from various religious backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds, socioeconomic, just a really diverse group of young people. And the song that focuses on peace and, and, and the heart of God it seems so universal because it, it crosses all kinds of borders, Right? And from this small group of young people that came together and they taught them this song, it starts to spread like wildfire throughout the United States. And eventually it begins to be a staple for United Nations Day. And then it starts to be sung on days like Veterans Day and other days around the world. People use this song as a galvanizing force, kind of like the way we use Amazing Grace during moments of tragedy, right? And this now has become a Christmas staple over the years because persons from Vince Gill to Mahalia Jackson, have covered it during these seasons. There's something so beautiful and universal about the theme of this song, about letting there be peace on earth, and it's starting with each person. Which the song reminds us then that we are at war with one another, 
And there are times that we are at war within ourselves. And the song calls us to be attentive to this, that change and peace begins with each of us and it spreads out into the world. It's like when you drop a pebble into the ocean and it's a ripple effect. We're all looking for peace, if we're honest. And we're not just talking about the absence of conflict, right? We're talking about the sense in which the Hebrew word provides us, shalom, where it gives us the sense of wholeness within ourselves, that every aspect of our life is well and is whole. And Advent, this season, helps us to anticipate a time when the one who brings peace will reign with it, that peace will be the order of the day. During Advent, Christians read a lot of the prophets in the Old Testament. And we believe, as Christians, that much of what they spoke foreshadowed the coming of Jesus and his role in God's redemption in the earth. So Jesus will be a king, as we interpret the prophets. He will be a king, but he won't be a king in the way that we want or we expect. Right? His kingdom is not of this world. It is the complete antithesis of the way that our world works. And so I want to walk through Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 14, 13, to break open this theme of Advent and to see how it speaks to the way that Christ will come into our world and break into the stony heart of our world. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. It reads, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. Let's pause there for a second. So what we see the prophet doing here is hearkening back to the creation narrative in Genesis, right? The where the spirit in Genesis hovered over the chaos, the darkness of the waters and over the earth and, and whatever was formless, so does the spirit here is, is moving, right? The spirit is moving like it once did over creation. The spirit is setting the stage for what could be. The spirit is setting the stage for possibilities in God. And so in the same way, God wants to break into our world. God's spirit wants to hover over what is formless in our lives, what is empty in our lives, what is shapeless, what is dark in our lives, and bring hope and life to these places, the things that cause conflict within us and without. Reading on, second part of verse 3. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. So here the prophet describes the culture now, right? The culture and the order that God will establish. Again, antithetical to the ways in which our world works. That justice and righteousness will be the order of the day. It will be the standard. 
the weapons that Christ will bring are not the ones that we would choose, right? That he brings in his wings righteousness, faithfulness, justice. By the way, when we talk about the kingdom of God and the way that God wants to set it up here on earth, sometimes we think that it's this faraway place that we're going to go to. But what Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, where? Here on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are not waiting for some rocket ship to take us away from this world. It's actually the opposite. The God is calling us to bring heaven down to earth. It comes down to us, right? And so here on earth as it is in heaven, the prophet is saying the spirit will move. It will be active among God's people. And it will set up a new way of thinking, a new way of living, a new culture in the earth. And this will be the fruit of it, reading from verse 6 on to the end. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand in the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all on my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, verse 10 says, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. Finally here, the prophet describes what the world will look like when justice and righteousness, peace and mercy is the order of, day, of the day when God reigns. We will be with one another, even though we are different. And in this way, who was once an enemy, we will now call neighbor and friend. Completely different from the way that we operate in our world. Amen? I want to pivot now to a text in the New Testament where Paul is talking to the Roman Christians in the book of Romans. And in chapter 12, he is admonishing the Roman Christians to stand out and not conform to the ways of the world. He encourages them, as he says, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The way that we thought we should live in the world, the way that the world taught us to live, exchange that. Exchange it for the way of Christ. So he goes on to encourage the believers in Rome. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 to 21. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another or with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One of the key phrases in this passage that I like as far as it depends on you. 
right? That's, that's really important to know there. We can't control how people react to things. We cannot control how people behave. However, <laughs> we can control how we react. We can control our response, right? And so when we hear Paul saying here, as far as it depends on you, this is not to say throw the baby out with the bathwater. This doesn't give us an excuse to say, well, listen, I done with you. I, I done do all I could do, right? When the truth of the matter is, we don't really do as much. We just tired. We don't want to deal with people, right? What Paul is saying here, go to the utmost effort that you can to find peace with one another. Not to the point of abuse, not to the point of being mistreated, right? But with whatever is in you, whatever you could muster up to the greatest length, be at peace with one another. Because as far as it depends on you, whatever you have in your control, do that. And I think that's why we see so much church infighting, right? I'm not going to talk about the world right now. I'm just going to talk about us, right? I'm going to talk to, I'm going to have a little family chat, amen? That's why we see so much infighting in the church, I think, is that we don't go that extent, right? And I think sometimes it just takes us a moment to just stop and have a little bit of integrity, a little bit of humility, some basic self-awareness, Right? that can lead us into having peace with one another. And maybe we won't have to start the new this church and the new that church and go and start a new work and all of these kind of things, right? That we can actually live in peace with one another in the diversity that God has created. If we are truly to be ambassadors and representatives for God's kingdom that is going to be here on earth in the same manner that it is in heaven, we have to bear the image of God and the likeness of God for the sake of the world. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, as the prophet Micah says. We have had a violent year, haven't we? Locally and globally, it's, it's been a pretty rough one. The murder count, I don't even know what it is right now, and I'm afraid to look it up. But it's more than it needs to be. It's, it's, it's one murder is too much, right? The loss of life is, is astounding. We also see, and sometimes people laugh at this, but it's, it's not funny. We see parents, teachers, and students fighting one another. Fighting one another in schools. Places meant to elevate people's thinking, to raise the next generation Right? The, the, the soil and the ground in which we grow our nation, that we develop our people. Training ground for the next in society, we find a lack of peace. We find violence. By the way, wars are still happening around the world. People of Ukraine are still suffering. There's still conflict in East Africa, which doesn't get talked about a lot. Right? The people of Palestine are still under subjugation and oppression. There's a lot happening in the world. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of unrest. Yet with that said, I think we don't hold as people of God a doom and gloom perspective on life, right? That we've seen over time the arc of progress making the world more peaceful, 
in an attempt to do so, right? That nations come together and make agreements, and there are coalitions for peace. There are nonprofits that are doing the work on the grounds, bringing hope and healing to those in need. Global alliances that, in theory, should help us, and a lot of times in practice, help us to be better global citizens. But we cannot rest on our laurels, as they say, right? Now, now here's the thing. We don't have to look too far to see that conflict is a part of our own realities, right? It's not that distant. It's, it's right within our sphere of influence and in our space. And one of the things that I find interesting is that our world has increasingly, I talk about this a lot, moves more to being siloed and individualistic, right? And in some ways, that's been an important thing because people now have agency that they might otherwise never have had, right? They can now speak for themselves and have autonomy for themselves, right? But in other ways, it has cost us, gravely cost us. There are times where we don't regard our neighbor as we should, right? We're just moving about our day, and we're not worried too much about what anybody else is going on, but it's kind of like this dog-eat-dog world culture that we're living in. And ironically, individualism sometimes isn't fond of personal responsibility, Individualism is not always fond of personal responsibility. What does that mean? So we'll say things like, that's somebody else's problem. As for me and mine over here, we ain't worry about that. Somebody else got to take care of that. Somebody else got to deal with that, right? And that becomes a problem when we talk about peace. Because everybody has a hand and a role in bringing peace to this earth and bringing peace to even our own circles, right? So what, what does all this have to do with anything, right? Kofi Annan, who was once uh, the Secretary General for the United Nations, he's from Ghana and a leader from Ghana, he had this very um, important quote about peace and justice. He says, and I quote, without justice, there can be no lasting peace. Certainly there is a place in every court for mercy and compassion, but... Mercy can only be shown when guilt and responsibility have been clearly established and acknowledged. Again, when we look at the words of the prophet Isaiah, there's this sense of having justice and righteousness as a path to peace, that we cannot ignore the plights of people around us, that we cannot ignore the war within ourselves, that we have to bring justice and righteousness to those areas on our way to peace. All right, let me break that down. Y'all know I love a good pop culture reference, right? The singer-songwriter Taylor Swift wrote a song that I cannot get away or escape called Anti-Hero. In the song, she sings, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. One of the most beautiful lines that she has in this song says, I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. I'll stare directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. Beautiful lyrics, right? We'd rather do something that is easy, but it's self-destructive. Like avoiding dealing with our issues. Avoiding dealing with a conflict between one another. Instead of doing the hard work, which is looking in the mirror, which could actually yield good fruit in our lives. Right? And here's how this shows up. I was thinking about this earlier in the week, how just the way that we talk about situations that we encounter, we don't want peace. 
Sometimes. Sometimes we don't want peace. We want problems, right? We'll say things like, I wish they would. I want them coming to my office talking fool today. I want somebody to send me this email. No, I, I, I want them to come to me because I'm ready for them, right? Which doesn't mean that you're ready to be hospitable. It means that you're ready to go at it. You're ready to roll up the sleeves, right? You're ready to go and look and see what you could find to throw at them, right? We don't want peace sometimes. We want problems. It feels good, right? I'm, I'm like speaking for myself too, by the way, right? But what an exhausting way to live. To always be on guard. To always be ready for war. To always have your weapon under your pillow. Right? And I think a practical thing that we can do to help us to be proactive in seeking peace in every aspect of our lives is to just acknowledge it. And to acknowledge that we ourselves are not perfect even sometimes on our best day. Right? That we annoy people. That we do things to cause strife ourselves, and it's not always somebody else, but it's, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me, right? There's this church in North Carolina, um, Church on Morgan, and they were having some difficult conversations or some conversations that were helping them to push their church forward. And they had some roundtable discussions, and on each table, they had little cards that said this. Four simple phrases. I could be wrong. Others are also trying to be faithful. The Holy Spirit convicts. We are to be known for love. Let's read that again. I could be wrong. I don't have all the answers, right? Others are also trying to be faithful. They are at this table too because maybe they're trying to seek out the best way forward. The Holy Spirit convicts. It's not up to me to tell people what to do, right? We are to be known for love. That is what God calls us to do, to be ambassadors for the way of Christ, which is love, right? We don't have to look too far outside of ourselves to see that there is a need for peace. When we talk about peace in ourselves, we have to come to this understanding of despite my flaws, I can see that I am still loved and I am still chosen by God. And then when we talk about peace in our relationships, despite their flaws, right, that we can see the image of God in them, that somehow that in the way that God works in my perfection, so does God work through theirs, right? And that maybe there is peace to be found there. By the way, you know that verse in Psalm 23 where it says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies? I think a lot of times we read that, and I have read this this way before, of saying that God is going to flex on my enemies. Just going to put a spread out and tease them and say, look at what I prepare for them. You can't have none of this. this. This for my boy, this for my girl, Right? What if it was that God is preparing a table before us in the presence of our enemies and we are eating together? What if it's not that God is treating them differently than is treating us? <laughs> that God is generous to us but not generous to them. What if God is saying, listen, I understand that you are enemies, but come and sit. Come and eat with me. 
be in the presence of one another and see just how much I love each and one of you despite how you get on to one another. This song, Let There Be Peace on Earth, is an aspiration, but it is also a call to action for us. The last stanza says, let there be peace on earth. Let this be the moment now. With every step I take, let this be my solemn vow. To do what? To take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth. And let it begin with me. Let's pray. Hear these words. The prayer of peace, often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. We've read this several times, but hear these words once again. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Holy God, may these words resonate within our hearts that we may be channels of your peace in this world. That when people look at us and look at us as an individual and as gathering of believers, that they would say that these are people of peace. There is something different about them. There is something different about the way that they love. There is something different about the way that they carry themselves in this chaotic world. May we, O oh God, rise to the occasion to sing songs of peace in this world. For the sake of the world and for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen.